0: This is Deep Dive. I'm Yi. Chinese President Xi Jinping is in South Africa for a state visit and a series of BRICS activities. 13 years ago, South Africa became the final piece of the puzzle to form the group of five fast-growing economies known as BRICS. Now, 13 years later, the African country is advocating for a new round of expansion to elevate the group to a new level as more than 20 countries have formally applied to become BRICS members.
1: Expansion and economic cooperation dominating the agenda on day one of the BRICS summit. Leaders from
0: the five BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa are set to meet at the summit. And Brazil's government
1: has signaled its openness to expanding membership in this group of major developing nations.
0: In what ways has South Africa benefited from this partnership over the past 13 years? Why are countries lining up to join and how has cooperation between China and South Africa developed within BRICS and beyond? To find out, I spoke with CGTN radio reporter Zanel Buthelezi. This episode is brought to you on Wednesday, August 23rd. It's been 13 years since South Africa's entry to the BRICS. What changes have taken place? Like what benefits does South Africa get from joining the BRICS group.
1: Well, first let's look at how South Africa views BRICS. South Africa has viewed BRICS as a key mechanism through which it would be able to pursue its socio-economic development agenda, promote Africa's development programs, strengthen trade links with various partners, in the north as well as in the south, and also you know, partner with key players in the global south on issues of global governance. And so, that's the lens through which South Africa saw this uh, entry or its entry into BRICS. So, on the global stage, we saw BRICS help South Africa's position, enhancing it as well as you know, uh, making it. Uh, be seen as and noticed as an influential player as well as an important emerging economy on the global stage. So that's how it, I would say, it has helped South Africa in terms of how others view the country. But also when you look at the trade links that South Africa has been able to establish and also deepen within BRICS, a lot has been gained from that. And so what we've seen is that um, between South Africa and its uh, BRICS partners trade has grown tremendously particularly with China and India uh, since South Africa joined BRICS in 2010 and what we've also seen that is that the country has seen its trade with um, other partners increase on an average of about 10% in the past uh, say decade or so and when you look at uh, the latest uh, stats from 2022, South Africa's trade with BRICS countries surpassed 800 billion uh, rands, which is the South African uh, currency, which is up from 487 billion rands in 2017. So there has been a huge um, I guess gain from trade links that South Africa has established with its partners within BRICS and that has also translated into more investments uh, that the country has attracted but yes there's still a long way to go because when you look at South Africa's economy you look at uh, the employment rates that investment still needs to translate into more jobs for people on the ground and so that's what when we are looking at the summits that is taking place in South South Africa now as to what new ideas will come out of this, uh, gathering and how will those ideas help fast track the progress that has been made in South Africa. I mean BRICS has also helped in terms of uh, making funding available to South Africa in order to develop its infrastructure uh, especially when you look at the road network in South Africa as well as uh, wind farms. One of the major wind farms was actually supported by China. So we've seen a lot of progress that has been made in terms of trying to support uh, South Africa's energy, clean energy transition. But like I said earlier, there's still a long way to go. So more ideas are needed to actually ensure that uh, people on the ground also feel this transformation and this deepening of uh, cooperation between BRICS partners uh, so that they are also able to fully celebrate uh, this progress.
0: Mm. And 13 years ago, China pushed for South Africa to join BRICS, and five years ago, it was uh, Xi Jinping's last visit to South Africa, also for the BRICS summit. How do South African people view the partnership between their country and China?
1: Well, South Africans are very hopeful. When they look at the partnership between uh, China and uh, South Africa, they're hopeful that New uh, projects are going to come to the country and uh, create or spur that job creation uh, process in the country because, like I said earlier, the country is facing a serious problem uh, of uh, unemployment. I think the rate currently is about 40% uh, unemployment and uh, it also affects majority young people in the country. So what uh, people are hoping for when they look at China and China's development What China has been able to achieve over the years, they're hoping that will rub off or also inspire further developments in South Africa that will help um, spur investments or attract more investment into the country as well as uh, encourage the government to also optimize the gains that it has made through the links that uh, have been achieved especially between the relationship uh, between China and South Africa to ensure that uh, locals in South Africa, ordinary South Africans, also are also able to feel the benefits and reap the rewards of this uh, relationship between the two countries. So the, I would say South Africa or South Africans have hope that uh, more is still to come from this relationship between uh, China and uh, South Africa, as uh, they they seem to be agreeing on a lot of things that pertain to development, especially development uh, programs. And so South Africans are hopeful that That will actually trickle down to them on the ground and they will also see um, how they they get the slice of the pie, so to say.
0: Mm. China has been South Africa's biggest trading partner for 14 years. South Africa has also been China's biggest trading partner in Africa for 13 years. How have they managed to maintain this high-level partnership in economy and trade?
1: Well, let's first look back at uh, where the relationship between the the two countries comes from. South Africa prior to 1994 was under the apartheid regime and uh, China supported the liberation uh, struggle in South Africa, uh, which was led by parties like the current uh, ruling ANC party in South Africa. So it was no surprise when the ANC eventually took over power in 1994, there was a continuation of uh, good relations between the new South African government. Government as well as uh, the Chinese government. And that's actually led to further deepening of uh, ties between the two countries where we saw this. uh, rapid evolution of the relationship between china and uh, south africa it evolved from being a partnership to a strategic partnership and now we have what is called a comprehensive strategic partnership between the two countries and uh, also listening to what uh, president xi jinping or reading rather the article that he printed in south african media on earlier on in the week uh, talking about the golden age or the golden era that we are entering into that spoke to the commitment that China has uh, in this relationship that it has with South Africa and so it means that there is a commitment to actually further grow this relationship and uh, have a better prosperity for both sides and especially South Africa, which is still far behind when you look at economic growth in comparison to China. So this is the relationship that we have in terms of years. It's a very young relationship compared to other African countries. Um, this year, the China South Africa bilateral ties they're celebrating 25 years since they were established and so that's very young when you look at other African countries that are more than 60 years in terms of bilateral ties that they have with China so we still have some way to go and it means that there is time for these two sides to actually deepen their cooperation and actually ensure that they grow what they have started uh, so many years ago and uh, just to maybe look at what this relationship between the two countries has achieved between 1995 and 2021 trade between China and South Africa has seen an annualized growth rate of around 16 percent so that's pretty good when you look at what um, these countries uh, have been doing over the years but of course the trade deficit continues to be huge when you look at south africa south africa is importing a whole lot more from uh, china and uh, also the main uh, exports south africa uh, actually uh, is uh, dealing with are mainly minerals as well as you know other m- raw materials and uh, when you look at food and uh, the agricultural products, they are maybe fourth in the list of uh, the exports that, China, uh, that South Africa um, sends to China. So there needs to be more, I guess, uh, more action that, uh, and more deals that are aligned with lifting up uh, the position of agri-products. But there's, there are things that are promising. There have been steps. Uh, Taken that are promising, we saw China create what is called green lanes through the FOCAC or the Forum on China-Africa Cooperation platform. It encourages African products, agricultural products, to enter the Chinese market. So what you are seeing there is China loosening some of its uh, regulations to fast-track the process of uh, allowing more African products to come into the Chinese market, so that. Uh, other um chinese consumers can enjoy what africa has to offer and south africa has benefited from this because what we have seen is that um the south african pair entered the, the Chinese market just recently in uh, earlier this year. And also lemons entered for the first time the Chinese market last year. So this is through this process of uh, ensuring that tariffs are removed from some of the products as well as uh, no unnecessary stringent measures or rules are also loosened so that we're able to allow more of uh, the products that are in Africa can come into China and also supports China's uh, food security drive, and, and so. That is a good sign, I think. I mean, when you look at uh, apples, also apples, South Africa is number two in terms of the largest supplier of apples, number two behind in New Zealand in terms of uh, uh, the biggest suppliers uh, of apples to the Chinese uh, consumer market. And uh, so what uh, the industry was saying in terms of uh, the pears entering the market, being the latest to enter the market, they're saying in South Africa is that what they're saying is that they're Hoping to see pears also elevate their status, you know, being able to compete with other major products that are imported by China from South Africa. And they are hopeful to see that the entry of uh, the African pear or the South African pear into the Chinese market as a fresh breeze to the industry. So they are very hopeful. By the sound of it, that's one exporter who was quoted in one of the articles that I read uh, saying, you know, so this is the sign of hope. And so we're hoping that um, these discussions, like uh, the discussions that are taking place at uh, the BRICS level, BRICS summit level, they will yield even more deals that will encourage cooperation between the two sides. I mean, also... With the Ukraine crisis, as well as the tension between the U.S. and China in terms of trade, what we've seen is that uh, South Africa has benefited in a way because what uh, happened earlier this year was that China canceled its uh, corn, yellow corn, order of, uh, of more than 560,000 tons from the US. And in cancelling that, what uh, China then did was make a huge order from South Africa to replace that order, which uh, was um, uh, said to be more than 108,000 tons, which is the biggest exports to China on record from South Africa. And, uh, but we are still seeing that there's room to grow because South Africa on average, exports about three million tons of uh, yellow corn so if uh, china needs more corn south africa has uh, more to offer because south africa is uh, one of the largest uh, food producers in africa and so uh, there is that is a significant step i think in terms of tightening as well as deepening cooperation and trade links with china Mm.
0: So still about this pair of bilateral relationship, uh, South Africa included a Mandarin as part of the country's school curriculum in 2015. Have you seen more cultural exchanges between the two countries?
1: Well, yes, I have. I mean, I will count myself as part of that process. Mm. I am here in China and I've been here for over five years now. And I've enjoyed my time learning about the Chinese culture as well as um engaging with the ordinary Chinese people and just finding out how much warm people are and how important uh, this country is, as well as its culture to the in the global context, you know, but going to south africa china has opened what you call confucius institutes in different uh, universities in the country even in my city which is durban where i studied at the durban university of technology there has been a confucius institute that has been opened, and i have spoken to the leader there who is a Chinese uh, official at the Institute and a teacher who studied a South African, who studied Mandarin over there, as well as, you know, he also came to China to further his studies. Now he's a teacher teaching other South Africans, uh, Mandarin as well as about the Chinese culture. So that is huge. That shows that there is that exchange of cultures. And also what uh, I've heard from, officials at the confucius um, institute there at the durban university of technology is that they are seeing numbers of students taking up this course or these studies growing every year i think right now they've seen about more than 200 students who have come over, who they've sent over to China to learn a bit more about the culture as well as uh, China itself. And uh, so that's a very important uh, development when you talk about trying to promote understanding between the two sides because... South Africa, when you look at it, it's a very young country. Um, I mean, our democracy, we only were able to get a democratic election in t- 1994. So prior to that, most people were closed off to the world and maybe knew very little outside of uh, maybe movies, kung fu movies, etc., about the culture, China, as well as the country itself. And so right now through this development of the partnership and cooperation between China and South Africa, we've seen a huge, huge number of people that have shown interest in uh, China, as well as, you know, coming over to study. Uh, We have a number of students in various universities that are studying. Some are even studying traditional um, Chinese medicine. So That, I think, shows the level of interest that we have among South Africans, actually getting to know better China as well as the the culture itself.
0: Mm. And lastly, let's talk about the BRICS mechanism. Uh, South Africa is encouraging more African countries and emerging economies to join the BRICS. Why do you think uh, South Africa is particularly active in this realm?
1: South Africa has been a major supporter or has positioned itself in a way as a supporter of the developing world, getting its voice heard on a global stage because of its position of how the world views South Africa or has viewed South Africa as an influential uh, country on the continent in Africa, as well as in the global South. And uh, so now what South Africa has tried to do is leverage that to actually get the spotlights also on other African countries and encourage them to be part of most of the development that is taking place around them, especially the development that will help spur further growth in most of the, our countries on the continent that are experiencing stagnation or many challenges right now. And so South Africa has seen this uh, BRICS group as a platform that will actually deliver on its promise of uh, promoting global economic development peace security and you know partnership and cooperation and this is against what we are seeing now where you only seeing uh, platforms that are promoting certain interests or interests of uh, only a few countries. So the reason why also African countries are responding to this call to come and join the BRICS is that they're also seeing that they are tired of uh, not being heard on these other multilateral platforms. So they're hoping that BRICS is giving or breathing in a new breath or giving them a new chance to, Uh, have their voices heard and also have their challenges addressed, their developmental challenges that they've always faced since the colonial era. And even now, those challenges are persisting. And just recently, we've just seen what has happened in West Africa with the military coup, where people are mainly just voicing their frustration, saying, we are tired of not seeing the eradication of poverty, we are tired of not getting jobs, we're, not, we're tired of not seeing development in our countries. And so this is where military leaders come in because they see there's this space, then this disconnect between the elected leadership and the, the public. And this allows for such developments to take place. But if you eliminate all the the poverty, you eliminate unemployment and you promote uh, development in these countries, you will not see coups taking place is what I think. And so what BRICS is offering is that let's work together partnership. Let's partner as the Global South, partner with each other and uh, help each other grow and develop economically and socially, but BRICS is also not saying we are closing off the North. We are against people working with the North. Uh, So people can work with whomever they want so they have a choice. That's the difference with the BRICS. It says people can choose who they want to work with. Just do not impose your interests and uh, your rules on uh, a number of people and hope that everything will go smooth way or it will be smooth sailing. So... This cooperation is what is encouraging people to join BRICS. And also what BRICS is um, promoting, it is in line with uh, the African Union's Agenda 2063, which promotes silencing the guns. I spoke about um, security that is being promoted, peace and security that is being promoted by the BRICS group. Yes, uh, that aligns with what uh, the African Union has preached or is preaching about silencing the guns as well as promoting development, infrastructure development, industrialization on the continent and uh, also promoting manufacturing on the continent so that we are able to spur economic development in most parts of the continent that are experiencing a lot of hardship through you know, not being able to access uh, infrastructure, etc. So BRICS, even with the new development bank, We have seen that some of the countries, even though they are not members of BRICS, they have um, benefited from uh, the funding from the NDB, which is uh, a bank that was initiated by the BRICS group. I mean, I will give one example in South Africa. South Africa has facilitated funding for uh, Lesotho. Lesotho is a country that is within South Africa. It's a very strange location because it is completely surrounded by South Africa. But it's a small country and um, BRICS, um, through the NDB, has been able to offer funding to this uh, country so that it is able to um, implement its water projects and supply water to the people uh, in this uh, region or in this country. So it's not only member countries that are benefiting from BRICS, but BRICS has been able to say, we are open, we are welcoming everyone. And that's why people are now knocking on the door of BRICS. They are trying to get in because they do see that there is some movement. There's positive uh, movement in terms of what they want to achieve uh, in terms of development and so on. So hopefully uh, by the end of this uh, summit, we'll see BRICS expand to uh, welcome more countries in Africa on the continent there's about five countries that have applied we have Nigeria in West Africa as well as Senegal which is also in West Africa and then uh, in North Africa you have uh, Egypt and um, I think Algeria is the other country as well as Ethiopia in uh, East Africa so those are the five that's that have officially applied amongst the group that has applied globally, which is uh, a group of 23 countries. But there's also another group of about 20 countries or 40 countries, if I'm not mistaken, that are have expressed interest in joining BRICS. So you have a lot of countries. But I think one other important issue that is uh, making countries see BRICS as an alternative to what is uh, the current status quo is that, Countries are also not wanting to be constrained by, say, the dollar. They don't want to uh, be constrained by the dollar because a lot of countries have now or have seen sanctions imposed on them. I mean, in Southern Africa, Zimbabwe, a country that has uh, been uh, under sanctions from the U.S. for many years. And then you have other countries outside the continent like Cuba, Iran, um, Russia, of course, and then Venezuela in the Americas. So you have a lot of countries that are now saying, we cannot grow, we cannot develop. So, what is the other alternative? It's BRICS. That's why then they are gravitating towards BRICS. They want to join that. And that's why now there's this discussion within BRICS. How do we create a financial system that will allow member countries to trade within or among themselves so that they're not, um, they try to avoid, rather, avoid? sanctions as well as avoid uh, the pressure of the dollar and and then choose to use whatever Currency they choose to use, but uh, I think that's another discussion for another time as to whether they will eventually agree on a a common currency or not. But right now, I think the discussion that is taking place is how to create a financial system that will promote trade amongst members, especially now that there is this consideration of expansion. So those are the things that I'm also looking uh, forward to seeing how these discussions will be resolved or what outcomes will come out of these discussions as uh, the BRICS summit takes place in South Africa, Johannesburg. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll see a bigger BRICS, but maybe not too big because too big might be a bit of a challenge. Uh, I mean, we've seen that with platforms such as uh, the G20 where... Smaller countries or developing countries are complaining that they're not being heard. So you might not have a platform or a space to be heard if it's too big. And so, but I'm sure the leaders and all the technocrats at uh, the BRICS uh, grouping will be able to come up with uh, proper structures that will accommodate um, all its members, all its members uh, that will be welcomed in, uh, in this group.
0: The economies of the BRICS countries have surged significantly over the past two decades, rising from a mere 10% of the G7 nations to a commanding 60% now. Discussions are underway within the group to bring more multilateralism to the world. Including an alternate global bank, an independent payment system, and a new reserve currency. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you like what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to tell us what you want to know about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Sui, and my colleagues Li Yunqi, Zhang Zhang, and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN radio reporter Zanel Buzalethi. I will see you in the next one.